Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Local voices, local conversations. Welcome back to NapaBroadcasting.com. Unless you've been living in a cave here in Napa Valley, you couldn't help but see the newly painted buses around town with the new logo for the Napa Valley Transportation Authority. This is the successor agency to the Napa Valley Transportation and Planning Agency, and before that, simply the Napa Valley Transportation Agency. So what's going on? Why the name change? What happened to the planning aspect? Why the new buses? And what's really happening with respect to the many modes of transit here in Napa County? We're going to talk about that today as I'm joined here in studio by Kate Miller, the Executive Director of the Napa Valley Transportation Authority, Matt Wilcox, the Public Transportation Manager, and Mike Blasky, the PIO. Thanks for all three of you for coming in. Thank you for inviting us. It's great to have you here, Kate. I want to start with with the obvious thing that you know people have been noticing around town: the newly painted buses, new logo, new uh, as we were talking about before we went on the air, new branding. What's that about? Well, we just last fall the board approved the Vision 2040 plan, which is our 25-year countywide transportation plan, and we identified uh, 750 million dollars in capital needs that we clearly weren't going to have the revenues to pay for. And it got us thinking about, well, where would we find those revenues and how can we drum up the support that we need from the community to raise those revenues? And so it prompted us to actually take a look at what our the community's perception was of the agency. And we um, were sort of surprised that many people who live here had absolutely no idea who Napa County Transportation and Planning Agency was. There was a perception that it was a a department in the county. Um, One person thought we were the NAACP. Um, (laughs) So the the response we got made us, started getting us thinking about, well, we really need to have a a more clear presence in the community and a very clear message. We thought also that shortening our name was an important thing and that we had two separate agencies under one umbrella, the Napa Valley Transportation Authority, which at that time was the agency that only managed the transportation measure T, and then also NCTPA, and then we had the Vine and all the various brands under the Vine. So we uh, felt it was really important, and based on the data we collected, that we should consolidate the agency uh, to make sure that our messaging was very clear. Napa Valley Transportation Authority seemed to be the sort of obvious way to change the name. It was shorter. It was um, a lot more specific about the kinds of things that we we do. Uh, And um, clearly we needed to update our color scheme. So we Mm. uh, got to do that all at one time. And it was, I think, the reason why it's such a success. We really haven't gotten uh, any uh, bad press on it. We haven't gotten any uh, bad comments on it. and it's all been very positive um, because it was everybody in our office and, and our consultants, as well as getting feedback from the public about the concepts. And um, basically, uh, that's, I think, why it has been such a success. Mike, talk a little bit about how it changed or if it changed the mission at all. I mean, it brought all of these things together. It took all of these disparate pieces and put them under one branding, so to speak. How, if in any way, did it change the mission? You know what we've done on social media, for instance. You know, taking what what we've built with the the new the new branding and really sort of expanding on that so to make sure that the community is aware of this. You know, um, you know we live in a, a digital world now where where people get a lot of their information from, uh, you know, social media, the web, and and um, you know, for from my standpoint, you know, uh, it was more important to make sure that you know 
uh, it was con consolidated under the NVTA name, uh, making sure people understood what our role is, and just sort of, you know, getting our our, our uh, message out there and explaining to the community what we do, you know, why we do these things, where their money goes. I mean, all of that is important because, uh, you know, when the communities, when people are confused about what you're doing, they don't, you know, they don't necessarily believe in it. So we we want to really kind of be uh, out there in the community, making sure that they're aware of the projects we're working on, um, and making sure that they're, uh, you know, comfortable with the, with our mission. There has been the perception, Kate, that that primarily what the agency has been involved in is public transportation, but in fact, it's been a much larger framework. Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't think it really changed our mission, but it definitely made us focus on what the things that we need to accomplish um, are. And um, we do more than just uh, operate the transit system. We uh, are the uh, long-range planning for all modes of transportation, highway, uh, bicycle, and pedestrian. And we also uh, are the programming agency, and that is is that funding comes in to NBTA to redistribute to the jurisdictions um, for key projects. Uh, as an example, the roundabout project at First Street in 29, the money for that um, came through our agency first. Uh-huh. How do you interact with something like the Vine Trail, for example? Well, the Vine Trail is an interesting um, project because it is really the first uh, outside of highway projects, the first multi-jurisdictional project. And we do have our hands on those projects. As an, Jameson Canyon was an example of that. We were the key Napa partner on that project. So the Vine Trail, uh, we ended up taking on the project management for. This is the Oak Knoll segment between Redwood Park and Ride and Yauntville. Um, we've gotten a lot of support from the county and the city and, well, primarily the city and uh, the town of Yauntville, uh, financial support. But the city also did the segment between Trower and Wine Country Road um, in in partnership with the Napa Valley uh, Vine Trail Coalition, which is a really, you know, one of the very unique things about that project. It is a public-private partnership. Uh, it's unique in that it's actually we're getting direct funding, and the Vine Trail Coalition is as, an, as a separate nonprofit organization is not getting any benefit from that. Usually on a public-private partnering, the private partner wants to get some sort of revenue. So this is a very unique thing to Napa. Um, and I think one of the reasons why it's so uh, successful in terms of getting competitive grant funds. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about how you work with the county planning department, the various cities, the various jurisdictions throughout the county. Sure. So Napa Valley Transportation Authority is a joint powers authority, and our board is made up of two members from each of the jurisdictions. So uh, for the city and town, it's one mayor, one council member, and for the board of supervisors, it's two supervisor representatives. We also have various committees. Uh, We have the uh, technical advisory committee, which is made up of the planning director or their appointee and the public works director or their appointee from each of the jurisdictions. And really, we work with that group uh, probably most uh, to talk about, you know, the directions that the agency should take, the types of things it should program. Things have to be approved by each jurisdiction for us to get the support from the board. Mm -hmm. How much longer does it take to get everything done, given that there are so many entities involved? Well, 
Um, you know, that's hard to say because I don't think we've ever made decisions, at least under my watch, without their input. Um, but this is also something that's federally and uh, state mandated. You know, we get a certain amount of those funds. We have to have a public process, um, even if we didn't want to have one, we have to have one. I think it's an important part of what we do and how we make decisions. And I can't imagine having a, a structure without that. Mm-hmm. Talk about some of the things that are on the front burner right now in terms of these multi-jurisdictional areas that you're involved with? Well, the State Route 29 project is probably the biggest multi-jurisdictional project that we're working on. Um, we, The board adopted uh, the State Route 29 gateway study a couple years ago, and um, we looked at all the improvements that we wanted to make between uh, the border at American Canyon and Vallejo up through um, the city. Um we're also working on specific intersections. So one of the projects that we're looking at right now is the Soskal Junction project, which is State Route 29 and Soskal. Um, we had been studying the flyover as one alternative, but the bike and pedestrian community really pushed back because it would have uh, closed off Soskal Ferry Road and it would have made it very difficult for bikes and pedestrians to navigate a flyover. So we're now looking at um, an overpass and a a double roundabout underneath the highway uh, that would um, be allowed, that would be navigable by bike and pedestrian, and wouldn't close off the Soskal uh, Ferry Road. So I think um, there's a lot of potential. I think the creativity of the city uh, has been uh, hugely influential. I think that Caltrans is very interested in looking at this. We're right now in the middle of modeling that uh, to see if it'll actually relieve congestion. The at the level that the flyover would, and if it does, then we'll we'll probably um, do another public outreach process to get feedback from the community on, on whether they like it, and that will close the environmental document, I hope, and then we can move forward with the alternative. Talk a little bit about the pushback on the flyover, because it, it, it is surprising, I think, to a lot of people that a project of that magnitude and of that importance within the scope of the county can be pushed back by the bicycle community. Well, it wasn't just the bicycle community. There were some neighbors on Soskal Ferry Road that were concerned. There were also people who used Soskal Ferry Road to navigate. I mean, it would have probably uh, made Devlin Road connection sort of inert, and and, and that would have been an unfortunate thing because that's a huge investment that we're making. Um, I, I think that when you know, that project had been studied for a really long time, over 10 years. And um, there's been a lot of road technology improvements since then, Mm -hmm. and and Caltrans has embraced roundabouts more. Um, In addition to the bike pedestrian access, it just didn't have the right design for that intersection. And there has been a lot of movement in context-sensitive design uh, since the, when they first initiated that document. It would have probably um, partially um, blocked the view of the wine crusher. I think that is also a, a would be a problem. It didn't say, you know, welcome to Napa mm-hmm. Valley on it. And I think 
this alternative is probably going to do a better job at that. How does the agency work with Caltrans in these various projects? How do they fit into this jurisdictional mix? Well, you know, it used to be that Caltrans funded improvements where there was congestion, and now there's been, because of funding constraints, um, more of an effort to use those funds for safety projects. And so Caltrans is not likely to bring very much money to the table, if at anything at all. So it's going to be locally we're going to have to raise the revenues, and Caltrans will still be the project manager, but we'll bring a lot more, or if not all, of um, most of the money to the table. Um, We will probably be a lot more, because it's our money, um, a lot more um, involved in the engineering and design part of it and have more say-so on what Caltrans does. So I think that's a good thing. The unfortunate thing is, is there's just not enough revenues out there to fund it through the state system, and so it's going to impact uh, the county from a transportation funding perspective. What is the talk in Sacramento now, the temperature in Sacramento, with respect to more funding being available or not available for these various projects? So, you know, I spoke um, to the legislative um, uh, action committee or the chamber this morning on this subject. Um, for a year now, almost a year, there's been a special session on transportation, and they haven't gotten anything done. Um, and partly it's because there is just no appetite to increase revenue. So um, I think there's also an independent um, study going on right now, a pilot program on the um, uh, user fee, um, and I invite your listeners to go on our website and find the um, uh, state um pilot program on that and because they're looking for rural and uh, suburban participants. Um, but that would replace the sort of the structure that we have now. We have this very complicated gas and sales tax thing that goes to transportation. Um, this would replace that and people who use the infrastructure more are likely to have to pay more. Um, and, and that would make it a neater and tidier thing and make it a lot more transparent about where our money comes from. And right now I think there's this assumption that you know we don't have to pay for it so we don't want to pay for and we're actually paying about twice as much on our coffee as we are on our gas tax and and so I think that was the impetus for that study um, coupled with redevelopment going away and this crisis that we're having on housing costs and housing availability transportation is just taking a back seat to it and I you know the MTC has been um, very uh, proactive in that regard and is taking trying to take transportation dollars now and use them to incentivize the construction of housing and they're doing that in the central part of the Bay Area where they believe most of the housing is going to be built uh, and so we're Napa is going to get hurt by those policy decisions and I don't blame anybody for it because they're getting pressure from the housing advocates I and mean, we have a housing problem Everybody acknowledges that, but we can't make the transportation problem worse because we have a housing problem. And this this coming together of ABAG and MTC, which Mark Luce has been on this program several times and we've talked about, how does that impact these issues that you're talking about? Well, you know, we're pretty unique in the Bay Area that we have two regional govern- governments now, um, and they are consolidating slowly. Um I, I think it, it's a good thing because I think there is a very strong nexus between land use and transportation. Um, you know, we've we've spent a lot of years uh, building transportation to accommodate uh, 
sort of some challenging land use decisions. You know, the su- suburbs, as an example, we're building highways to places in remote areas, and then people, we've got this, you know, people are commuting to jobs in 30, 40, sometimes 60 miles or even more away. So that does, that's not, that's a, a, a problem that we created, and now we're trying to solve it. Um, and I think it's important that we have a regional agency that is addressing both problems. Is it your view that the problem is solvable or that it's really just something we have to try and mitigate a little bit? Well, I, you know, I'm an optimist. I think that problems are, there's a lot of solutions to the problems. I think what we need to start doing is focusing on more, a more narrow group of solutions. I think transit continues to be that solution. And I think Matt can start, can talk to you a little bit about the express bus study that we um, have just launched and what we hope to uh, do with that study. Matt, talk a little bit about that, about um, the Vine, the buses. You know, we, we talked about the branding aspect of it. Talk a little bit about the routes and about the degree to which they're being used at this point. Um, we did a large uh, redesign of the system back in, I think, December 2012, um, and we've seen a pretty significant ridership growth um, due to that. Um, but there's always room for improvement, and there's always ways we can improve the system to get more people to ride it. Um, as Kate alluded to, we're doing an express bus study, um, which we have three routes, throughout 21, 25, and 29. Uh, the 21 goes between here um, and Fairfield and Sassoon City. The 25 goes between here and the city of Sonoma. And then the 29 um, traverses the whole Napa Valley and all the way down to El Cerrito del Norte BART. And we're seeing, um, at least with the 29, it's a kind of our flagship route in a sense that it really attracts a good portion of our riders. Um, because it offers that commute alternative. Um, and using the express bus study, we want to look at those routes and see how we can improve them to get more commuters onto those routes um, so they're not using the highway system to make their commutes. Um, and a lot of, I mean, our we call them express routes, but in it's only in a relative sense compared to the rest of our system. Um, you would compare it to some of the other more larger Bay Area transit agencies and they would just seem like a normal long haul route. Um, and we want to get to that express level where if people are sitting in congestion, our bus is going past them, and it looks like a very attractive um, commute option. And one of the ways we hope the, to accomplish that, and hopefully what the express bus study shows us and um, provides support for, is to do a lot of capital improvements. Um, so lots of ways we can do this. You know, there's a bus on the shoulder option, so when cars are stacked up on Highway 29, the bus can get around that um, backup doing park and ride lots that are closer to the freeway um, so the bus doesn't have to deviate into town. The 29 coming from up valley has to get off of 29, come all the way over to Saw School, do the transit center to do one of its you know, its larger pickups. That's where a lot of our passengers get on in Napa and then continue back onto 29 through American Canyon to get all the way down to the ferry. And You've got Alcerito. a park and ride over by the Marriott also, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that essentially serves our the northern part of Napa, mm-hmm. um, and that's where people can get on. But in regards to south central uh, Napa, the only real park and ride option as it stands is to come to the transit center. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, taking our bus off of Highway 29 um, and not being able to get right back on, having to go on the surface streets adds a, adds a big chunk of time, um, which doesn't you know as 
people know it's not as attractive. If people can get somewhere faster with their car, they're most likely at this point going to choose that um, option. So we're hoping with the Expressway study changing um, where our bus, buses serve and the capital improvements can make that a more attractive option for people. Talk about it in terms of numbers. How many riders are taking these express buses, you know, in a given week, given month? And and how many people are using the Vine in general? Um, we have, at least for, I was looking at this recently, I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, but for the 29, um, 21, and the 25, the commute services, were between them, we're doing around 200 rides a day. Um, so that's probably about 100 unique people because they're, obviously most of them are going coming back right. from whence they came um but on a whole um system level i want to say we're doing in regards to all our services we're probably doing um i can't think of the number it's about 950,000 trips a year a year right. yeah on a, so and it fluctuates month to month based off of you know if schools in session we have mm-hmm. a very large youth ridership so when the high schools and the middle schools are out for summer our ridership kind of peters off but really picks back up when September and October hit and people get back into the swing of things. Kate, I want to, how are you looking at the, this whole business of private shuttles? Calistoga is, is actively engaged in this right now. St. Helena is looking at it. How does this impact what, what you guys do? Well, I, I mean, I anybody that can get people off the roads, we're in support of. Um, we also, you know, we talked to Calistoga about that. We don't have the vehicles available right now, and it takes a while to procure private uh, or public sector vehicles, as you probably can imagine. Um, and, and it, you know, if somebody pulls out of wanting to do that, we certainly would revisit that with Calistoga, and we would visit that with St. Helena. Uh, I think our best, uh, our ability to really best serve the community will really be to uh, to improve the current express bus service, to build out the infrastructure in conjunction with the highway improvements, uh, I think we can make a, a big a big difference and you know serve a lot more people than we're serving. Talk a little bit about the bus, either one of you, the mm-hmm. buses themselves, because one of the things with these private shuttles is they're fully Wi-Fi equipped, they're very comfortable, very plush. We were talking about it just a couple of weeks ago here. How does that compare to, to what's there on the buses right now? Um, I mean, the, the shuttles that they're providing are very nice. Um, and, but in regards to amenities um, on our vehicles, um, our longer haul routes do have a cushion seats available, tray tables. They have um, USB plug-ins so people can charge their devices. And then um, starting hopefully in early August, our entire fleet will be Wi-Fi enabled. So that's every route will, that you get on, will, or every bus, I should say, um, will have Wi-Fi available to the public. Um, and having those amenities really makes the trip much more attractive because um, in this day and age, people want to be as productive as possible. Um, so if you are using our services to commute, you can check your email. And if you just want to relax, you have the ability to surf the Internet. And um, it kind of it makes the trip more useful and enjoyable for mm-hmm. people, having those things available to them. Kate, talk a little bit about what seems like the cognitive dissonance that's kind of built into this system. On the one hand, you're you're wanting to promote and encourage, as we were talking about, public transportation, but you're also very involved in, in road building and all of the things that need to be addressed in that regard. Well, the road building now 
is to mostly relieve congestion or to maintain our existing infrastructure. Uh, there is an interest in American Canyon to make more improvements than that, uh, but you know the trend to actually expand uh, infrastructure now is long gone. It's just not what the, the priorities of the state and the feds are anymore. Um, so we do a lot of the multi-jurisdictional uh, improvements in partnership with Caltrans on the highways, uh, and we also, uh, you know, like we talked about earlier, we do we did the buying trail as well. In terms of the cities, uh, the jur the jurisdictions, the county, the city, uh, and the town. Uh, they all do their own improvements. They're responsible for maintaining their road structure and to making the changes that they want. That's all within their jurisdiction to do that. We may fund a portion of it if it's on the federal uh, aid highway system. Uh, Silverado Trail is an example mm -hmm. of that. Um, basically collectors, uh, main thoroughfares, trancas, those kinds of larger roads um, but that all those projects get submitted into one of our plans usually our countywide transportation plan and when funding becomes available we go through a, what's called a programming process to identify our top tier of priorities working again with the jurisdictions on that so there's a little, little bit of horse trading mm -hmm. um, but uh, you know there is a process and that's that's the process that we use one of the bigger projects out there which we were talking about uh, again before we went on the air was was highway 37 and this lengthy study that's beginning in that regard talk about that sure so uh, the four northern counties Solano Marin uh, Sonoma and Napa uh, entered into a memorandum of uh, understanding and uh, to identify a project for State Route 37. Um, global warming is obviously causing um, sea level rise and that is going to make the Highway 37 uh, not navigable uh, in the very near terms in the next 20 to 50 years. Caltrans completed a study recently that shows specifically where and uh, when those um, those parts of the highway will go underwater. So we have um, launched a, f a financial analysis uh, with a company called PFAL, and they'll look at different ways to uh, to fund that project. Um, including public-private partnering opportunities. Um, there is uh, a full Brown Act structure with this group, the four northern counties, and in Napa, the three um, executive, uh, um, sorry, the three policy makers um, on that board are uh, Keith Caldwell, Leon Garcia, and Mark Luce. So uh, the study is probably going to be done within the next four months or so, and it'll give us a lot more information about what the, the next steps should be. We're also um, working with MTC to seek money for um, what's called a PID, a project initiation document that will also help us define the project better. Um, and then we'll move through the other phases, the environmental phase, depending on you know exactly what project that we have identified. Mm -hmm. um, there's three sections that are being studied independently. Um, question is, is do we need to do all of them at once? Do we need to um, just do the one, the area that we think is gonna be uh, weak at toll possibly? Um, the federal government has restrictions on what can be told. We have to expand the infrastructure in order, in order to toll. Mm -hmm. So we can't toll old lanes. We can only toll new ones. So 
Um, well, that is really the challenge on this project, not only the environmental concern in terms of sea level rise, but also the congestion that's inherent in that route. Right, right. So if we widen it and we come up with a really good transit solution, um, the Solana or the Sonoma-Marin area rapid transit uh, alignment actually comes into as far as the airport here in Napa. So there's potentially a train solution as well. Um, it would be great to extend that east-west uh, all the way actually to Solano County if we could do it. And I can envision a nice multimodal facility at the Napa Airport that could serve all different modes, including air, uh, at some point in our future. Um, the uh, There's also going to be a bicycle and pedestrian solution. And, uh, you know, so everything is still up in the air and all everything has to be studied. One of the things about all these things is how complex they are, particularly the ones that are multi-jurisdictional. Yeah, uh, that's true. But I I think partnering is the best way to approach any project. Um, You bring more ideas to the table. You bring more resources to the table. Mm-hmm. Of course, it just means that the process is more complex all the way through. I mean, it's necessary, but it just slows down the process in some ways. I mean, I think with, with Highway 37, I, I read somewhere that it was a, basically a four-year study process. Yeah. Um, well, we're looking at a project that could potentially be $4 billion, too. So I think uh, it's a, a probably pretty uh, smart if we slow it down a little bit and really take a look at all the complexities in much greater detail. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about, and, and you can uh, chime in on this, Matt, we'll start with you, the challenge of getting people out of their cars into any form of public transportation. Um, it is certainly difficult, and it's especially difficult in the area that we live in. Um, you look at San Francisco, um, and it's, you have the opposite effect where transit's the option and the car is something people are hesitant to get in because of traffic congestion and parking. Um, in Napa, we don't have to contend with those kind of things as much. It's still faster to drive your car. You still have greater flexibility. Um, and because we're a smaller county population-wise and things like that, there's less money for us to incru- improve uh, frequency of transit across the board that may attract more people. Um, so we have to be very strategic and how we allocate our resources and attract people. So um, in a way, it's much more interesting that we have to get very creative on how we attract people to transit. Um, we're, we're moving towards um, looking at options that aren't necessarily your traditional fixed route transit where you know the bus drives up and down the stretch of road all day, um, but moving towards more kind of, I would liken it to an Uber-esque model of maybe mm-hmm. doing a demand response kind of um, style service in the city of Napa in areas where we see low transit use on the traditional sense um, to get people not necessarily go directly to the door but have strategic locations where they can pick up the bus and it's more of based around their schedule Um, because we find that's I mean across the board anywhere you talk about transit is the flexibility of it Um, you know if we have buses coming every hour and you miss it you're really out of luck especially if you don't have flexibility in your schedule you're trying to make it to a doctor's appointment you're trying to make it to work for that matter um, so we're trying to create an option that becomes more attractive to people um, than their car. It might not be better, but at least to them, it might go, oh, you know, you know, I don't want to drive today, but, you know, the bus is almost as good, so why don't I try that? And we want to use the express bus study to attract more people to those routes um, because we have the ability to make potentially make them better than 
using your car. Um, and we'll kind of see a trickle down effect that, you know, well, I take the bus to work um, outside this outside the county. Maybe I can maybe the bus, you know, going to do grocery shopping or something isn't such a bad option either. And people will kind of shift slowly start shifting. It's not going to be an overnight change, but um, we're hoping, you know, we're looking to the future that, you know, people will start changing how they travel um, by us making those other alternate modes more attractive. Mm-hmm. Well, the only thing I would add mm-hmm. to that is that we often run promotions. Uh, one example was that we provided free uh, trips to people with Bottle Rock tickets, and the Bottle Rock folks uh, were great, and they backfilled our fare box that we would have lost. Uh-huh. Um, and what what we're finding with those kinds of promotions is that people continue to use transit because it's a very stress way of travel. It's true. I mean, I know people that took advantage of that for Bottle Rock that would never think about getting on the bus. Right. And so we introduced them to how great it is to actually be on the bus. You can read, you can do work. Uh, it's, you know, you can make, uh, make phone calls. There's all kinds of things that you can't do in your car that you can do on the bus. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about the possibility and, and what people are talking about right now in terms of any kind of rail transportation up and down the valley. I mean, certainly there's this project that Chuck McMinn and Keith Rogler are involved in and, and other efforts that have been made over time. Well, I, you know, I don't want to talk out of turn because we don't own the alignment, um, but I, th- I think the wine train folks, um, they've been great to work with, and I'm hoping that they can give some thought to that. I am holding out for the east-west connection because I think that that will be more effective and it mirrors our workforce a little bit better. Our Most of our workforce is coming from either Sonoma or Solano County and coming into Napa. If we have a multimodal system uh, station at the airport, we can, you know, uh, carry people up valley on buses uh, if the rail doesn't exist that way. But I think from a public sector perspective, we'll probably have more of a chance given that SMART, uh, uh, the Sonoma Marin Area Rapid Transit is expanding and they have the alignment already going Mm east-west. And then, you know, connecting it with Capital Corridor and Amtrak in Solano. I mean, then we have a full uh, multi, you know, lots of connections there. We can get to Sacramento, we can get to the central part of the Bay Area. What would be the connection in that case that would get people over to Solano? Uh, well, Would that there be a bus is connection. A, or? Well, no, there's a commercial. Uh, the the rail already exists, right? Um, and it's freight right now. So we would have to figure out a way to do a siding, a new a new siding along that corridor, Jameson Canyon, and uh, work with the freight carrier to see if there is some interest in doing that. But to me, that's the most logical extension. Um, It'd be great to have the north-south connection as well. We've done studies. The ridership really isn't there. We're in what's called a small urbanized area that doesn't generate uh, a certain fund source that would be necessary to maintain it. We couldn't easily take the money off the bus system and put it on a rail system, especially if it was privately owned. So there's there's some challenges with the north-south connection. I'm not saying that the that you know, at some point the demand wouldn't be there, and I'm certainly mm-hmm. supportive of, of a private um, expansion in that line. And I I would support it in any way we possibly could. But um, for for us, we think that east 
it's a West connection is probably a more lucrative one mm-hmm. at, at this point. And finally, talk a little bit about your the agency's relationship with the electeds in Napa County and, and the various cities. How does that work in terms of, of the way all of this that we've been talking about evolves? Well, I, I mentioned that each jurisdiction has two members of their for the city and town, their council and their mayor. And then the Board of Supervisors has two representatives as well. Um, We also have been asked to talk to councils and to the Board of Supervisors on specific issues. Um, But I think, you know, we're pretty... We're pretty well connected with the uh, jurisdictions just from a committee perspective. We also have an active transportation advisory committee that's made of appointees from each of the jurisdiction to address bike and pedestrian issues. Um, we also have a community advisory committee, and we have a couple openings on that right now. We invite your listeners to go to our website if they're interested in serving on that committee. Great. Just leave it at that. <laughs> well, that's that's plenty for people to, to start out with. Kate Miller, Mike Wilcox, Mike Blasky, I thank you all three for coming in. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com.